Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hi, welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast. I'm Kristen Williams, and this is the first part of a two-part series talking about selling long-term care insurance to the high net worth client. On this two-part series, I will be joined by Ben Cronish of Cronish Associates, Joe Donovan, Bay Financial, Jonathan Gear, Gear Financial Services, Marty Nanny, NFP Minnesota, and Ryan Baradas, Wealth Point. Thank you all for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks all for jumping on this today. I was hoping that we could just sort of have a conversation like we did at the board meeting where, you know, the conversation, the question about long-term care insurance came up and, you know, is there an uptick in selling it and who are we selling it to and what are we selling? So to get things kicked off, why don't I just start by sort of asking all of you, are you selling long-term care insurance now? Yes. 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 Marty, Ben, Joe, Jonathan? No, we talk about it a lot, and I send it over to Jason, my son. Probably one out of ten that we discuss ends up actually being a long-term care policy. Okay, Dan, are you there? Are you selling long-term care insurance? It's about the same as Jonathan. So um, we, we talk about it on a regular basis. Doesn't happen all, all the time. Okay, all right. So that we were a little broken up, but it sounded like, Dan, you said you talk about it like Jonathan does, hand it off to Jonathan's son, but still don't sell quite much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he hands it off. I'll give you his phone number, Dan. I think he'd really appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So I guess we could start with why, why, for those who do sell it, who are you selling it to? What sort of client profile are we selling it to? Is it the sort of people who make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, or is it sort of starting to trend uphill, upscale? I'm seeing it go a little bit upscale. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm seeing people more in, in you know, my age group, the 50 to 60, um, that have either lived through it with their parents and or grandparents and seen what the expense is. And obviously, as we see those costs continue to go up for care, um, and also myself just having gone through with my mother-in-law, some people don't want to be that person that has to take care of their parents, right? It's a pretty personal thing. And so I think that they're looking at now saying a couple of things. Number one, depending on how you're selling it, I'm doing it more with the life insurance with a rider. They're saying not only can I leave potentially a guaranteed inheritance, but I can at least protect what I do have in case we go into assisted living or nursing. And some people are even taking it one step further, just, you know, potentially trying to use it to protect a, a family cabin that if, you know, that's not going to be cannibalizing their other assets. So it's it seems to be um, maybe just because I'm getting older and that they're, I'm getting more interest, obviously, for our ultra affluent marketplace. Rarely do we ever see them even ask about it. We don't really talk about it. Um, but I have had a couple of wealthy widows that were in their 80s that uh, had one had $30 million. And she said that she wanted to buy it because I didn't know her children, that if it was up to her children to be in a barn or a nursing home, they'd put her in the barn to save their inheritance. <laughs> so that's kind of the sad part of the story. Yeah. What about um, Joe or Ben? You guys said you sell it pretty often. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to relay a story that I think I told you, Kristen. I, um, I had a one of those experiences that occur when you kind of say, you know, maybe I should change the way I think about things. I met with a couple and they were quite wealthy, and the wife asked the question, "Should we be thinking about long-term care?" And I kind of um, a wise guy answered her and said, um, "You know, you could buy most small long-term care companies." And uh, the husband responded back and said to me, with all due respect, right, you know, something bad's coming next. Uh, he said, with all due respect, he says, I, I earned my wealth by laying off risk whenever I could. And he said, how much do you think the most expensive long-term care contract might cost me? And I just threw a number out and said, you know, $100,000 a year. And, you know, he, he responded, that's like a quarter of 1% of what I make in interest. So why wouldn't I do that? Um, ending of the story is they didn't buy it, um, but it taught me a lesson that don't presume that because people have wealth that this isn't an area that they're concerned with. You know, just like with Marty said, um, people who are wealth worth money that we might think otherwise would self-insure for a number of reasons. You know, you can't presume that you understand what their motivating factors are. So I think that the income really needs to be sort of put on the back burner or the wealth needs to be put on the back burner and present it because as Kristen said, everyone's experiencing it. And I don't think we have a lock on understanding how they experience it. So I think we need to advise them that there's ways they can address it now. And that's, you know, I think we'll probably get to that point in discussing how we present it, but there's a myriad of ways now to talk about it other than the way it used to be when it was just a standalone product. Well, Ben, I'm going to tell her I really loved the first half of that story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Joe? You started to say something, and no, no, I, I kind of go along with Ben saying I mean, we do sell it. I think it's uh, we really sort of see two reasons. We do a lot of retirement planning and financial planning, and it's you can do a lot of planning, but the you know the long term care experience can be that catastrophic event. Mm-hmm. that you really can't manage for from a cash flow perspective. So to Ben's point, it's a fairly inexpensive way, you know, to cover off. You don't have to fully insure it, but if you can insure that extra piece to make sure the surviving spouse is covered, you know, that's the math piece. We don't tend to sell a lot of standalone long-term care. We tend to use hybrids. We tend to repurpose a lot of insurance. You know, whole life is a, is a great source. It's an asset on their balance sheet already. We're just trying to, Add that long-term care rider. It's like, do you want the cash value or, and the death benefit? Would you rather have more long-term care and the death benefit if you don't use it? Very popular with us. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is uh, with clients, it, it goes to that, yeah, that heartstrings thing is is anybody that's been through with a family member, it, it's a pretty easy sale, especially, you know, when you, you can show them for a low cost. And with higher clientele or more affluent clientele, it's the indemnity piece. You sort of say to them, you don't have to be in a facility. Post-COVID, no one wants to be in a facility. So you say to them, with indemnity, we can reconfigure the house, reconfigure the bathroom. We can put railings up. We can put ramps and walkways. So you can stay in your home as long as absolutely possible. And this is the easiest way to do it. And uh, it's also the services. I have a client now, 86. She just had a stroke. She just had, uh, I forget what it is, early onset dementia. And she's still walking up and downstairs to do her laundry. It's like, and we're trying to help. And she's reluctant to go on claim. Like, you can't be reluctant to go on claim. Let's take advantage of I think when people pay for the insurance, they use it faster. They get better care. 
because they're using the insurance company's money. They're not using their own money. They're not taking away from the inheritance. Not, you know, it's much easier when you take it from the insurance company than taking it from your heirs. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point that Joe brought up something, quite frankly, I've never thought of. You always think of long-term care and paying for care. But what you don't think of is paying for services like reconfiguring your home and ramps and walk-in and things like that. So um, that that's a, I've never used that, but that's a great point. There's a there's a, a another component to that that I think people really who've gone through it um, understand, which is whether it's through a life chassis or the you know care matters type long-term care product. Um, they all now provide what I essentially call social work services to help the families find and identify where care can be provided. And again, you know, to your point, Jonathan, people may have the money to pay for it, but knowing where to go to get the care and where the facilities are and where the resources are is something that um, that's a daunting issue, no matter how much money you have. So talking about that and the benefit of having that kind of rolled in is just another level on which I think people can connect with why this might be something they'd consider getting. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking about the protecting the cash flow piece of it that you just mentioned. I think that was you, Joe. And, you know, how many super wealthy clients have we worked with that spend every penny that they have? Because, you know, there's always some new boat or something that, you know, they live on the lifestyle and the cash flow that they bring in. And so, you know, having the protection of that cash flow could be really helpful as well. Ryan, what about you? Um, are you selling long-term care? Are you seeing it more more interested among your clients? Um, not selling it. Um, tend to be in the camp that I just assume, uh, like, like Ben said, that the, um, most of my clients are wealthy enough to self-insure. But uh, the one thing that stood out just in the uh, previous discussion is really around cash flow when you were talking, because a lot of folks uh, will design cash flow to finance a lifestyle. And if you throw long term added long term care expenses, it could uh, potentially force the um, the the sale of assets in order to to fund that long term care need. And it might not be the right time to do it, just like uh, the same reason we buy any life insurance, for instance, or other things. So I'm I'm learning a lot just by listening. I know Mike in our office does a lot of hybrid life long term care, um, uh, but that's more in the uh, I would call affluent uh, family services uh, division. So five to fifty million dollars in net worth. And some of the family groups that we're working with are uh, above that. And so, or most of the family groups are above that. And so I just don't see it very often, but uh, realize that I need to maybe uh, take the blinders off and maybe bring Mike in to, to do that kind of work. Well, and that's, Ryan, that, that's a really good point because quite frankly, I don't want to touch it. Uh, it's a great story. It's a really easy story to tell, but yeah, I don't know the product and the minutia. And in my case, I'm fortunate enough to turn it over to my son, uh, who does a lot of it. Um, and, you know, people, like I said, it's a really good story. It's not a great story for the ultra high net worth space because it makes more sense economically in most cases for them to simply pay for the coverage from, from an estate standpoint and whittle down the estate that they have the cash flow, they can afford it. I think that it's it, there is a certain demographic, though. Uh, d- depending on how you're going to find ultra high net worth, 
where it does make sense, but it's a great story in the hybrid space. It's like, look, here's a couple million dollars of coverage. Uh, if you don't use any long-term care, your heirs get two million. If you use a half a million of it, your heirs get a million five. I mean, it's really simple. And the cost typically is not that dramatic. The, the, the real question is, can they qualify uh, for it, for the morbid, morbidity component of the underwriting? And Jonathan, to think of it, it's, it's a great second sale. You know, it could pay for Marty's shoe bill. Is you've already got the pe people underwritten. You know, you've got it there. Typically, I don't even suggest people put in trust. Just put a half a million dollars in each of their names. You know, you've got them underwritten. You've sold them on the story. It's an easy second sale. Well, the other part of it, Joe, the biggest, the biggest, uh, the pushback that I get is someone's had some sort of experience collecting on their parents' long-term care policy and the aggravation that was involved in submitting claims for reimbursement. The fact that, and again, I'm speaking to Nationwide, but I don't even know if they're all this way, these are indemnity products, and it's easy to collect the money. And I, I think that's a really important fact as well that, that uh, again, it's an easy sale. And clearly, we don't do it enough, and I'm not really sure this panel is the appropriate panel. Chris, and I think that maybe a panel of four, four, uh, quite, no, seriously, a, pa a panel 15 or 20 years younger uh, of, of younger producers, uh, I think their insight may be a little bit different than what ours is. I think her panel choice was very intentional, Jonathan. <laughs> well, that's why I wanted, Jonathan. Ask, hey, ask responded to my email, that's all. <laughs> Brian, ask Big Poppy what he thinks about me being on this panel. Uh, Chris, I, I do a, a question. Um, should know the answer. I know HSAs, you can utilize it for long-term care insurance. Now, the question is, a lot of our clients max out their 401ks and retirement plans and they end up retiring with three, $4 million in that. And then they're five and then they have a half million in their HSA. Can you roll HSA dollars into a hybrid or a life product with a rider for long-term care? Or is that a no-no when it comes to what is and is not um, defined as long-term care? So I am going to give you my best guess. I have not looked into the HSA, but I do know that when it comes to paying for the rider or hybrid product, what they what the tax code does is separate out the rider from the underlying life policy and treat it as its own policy. So whatever portion of the premium is allocable to the long-term care piece of it, that gets covered under the, the special long-term care rule. So my guess, again, just a guess, is that you can use the HSA money to cover the long-term care portion. So so if you're trying to use the HSA, I would say your best bet is to look at a hybrid, which is, right. that, you know, you've got a bigger chunk of long-term care. You probably could use that HSA money for that. Um, then you look like you have some thoughts on that and, or you just haven't. Yeah, he is as gas. He has gas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 um, I never thought about using the HSA money um, as, as anything for that. So thanks for that. Uh, that idea there, Marty, but um, no, I make it a point when I show the hybrid of pointing out, even on the illustrate, I, I almost exclusively use that nationwide care matters product. Um, and I show people right on their form, how it breaks out the life portion and the LTC component. So, you know, I, I uh, was talking to a guy who was a partner in a law firm and said, you know, if you can have the check for this written through the law firm, they can deduct the long-term care portion of this premium as, as they would health insurance costs. So 
uh, and just charge through to you the life insurance component. Mm -hmm. So um, I think there's a lot of creative ways to to use that. And I, is it, but isn't that state specific as well, Kristen? Like different states have, there's a federal uh, tax benefit if it's written through the corporate entity or the business entity. But like here in New York State, you get a credit against New York State taxes up to a certain amount for long-term care. Do different states have different rules about that, don't they? Yes, yes, different states would have different rules about it. Just like, you know, Washington State put in the rule that they're mandating long-term care insurance. States are treating it differently, but HSA right. is, is taking a look at the federal side of it.